0: The Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you.
1: This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by ManaPro Homestead. Animals are an important part of our lives. that's why we help them grow and thrive, treating them as well as they treat us to make their lives as best as they can be. Manapro nurturing life visit manapro.com and follow us at Manapro Homestead. Hello everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Homestead education. We are so happy that you are here with us. And I hope you're ready to learn because we're going to dive right in today to kind of just the the definition of homesteading and what it means to us, but dig a little bit deeper. Um, I think that both of us have similar, yet a little bit different, maybe a little bit tweaked uh, versions or visions of what homesteading means to us. Uh So what, what does homesteading mean to you?
0: That is a really good question. I think that a lot of people sort of have this vision of pioneers in a farm field, right? Uh, Wearing the long prairie style dresses or they picture maybe something similar to the Amish culture. In truth, I think um, my definition is a more modern day Approach that just resol- revolves around a lifestyle of self sufficiency. I don't think you have to go off the grid and all of a sudden start sourcing your own water and electricity. I don't think you have to raise and process all of your own animals. I mean, I guess to that point, I'm a pretty good example of a unique version of homesteading because I'm plant based, so I don't butcher any animals. Um, I think homesteading really just is looking at a way that you want to be more self reliant in your day to day life, whether that be with animal husbandry, growing your own food, or making something with your hands and just removing a little bit of reliance on the bigger system. Yes. If that makes
1: sense. It's perfect. And what I was going to call you is more of like an eclectic homesteader, but it's a yeah. perfect example that. Um, we're not all out there in a field with with a dress on, and I think exactly for for us, it's exactly you know what you said. It's it's returning to our roots and getting back to just um, figuring out how to do it ourselves. Um, I think that what has kind of trended through all the generations is being able to pass things down but it is kind of just removing a link. So whether you're removing a little bit of having to go to the grocery store or, you know, like you know, the, the supply chain, um, I think it's, it's, it's that too. And that looks different for everybody. Like you said, you can grow food. You don't have to raise your own meat. You could do both. You could do, you know, vice versa. Um, And that's the beauty of it. I think we, as a, more modern society have really um, like pigeonholed ourselves into if you are not the dress in the prairie, then can you really call yourself a homesteader? And I think that we both agree, yes. And that's what we're here to kind of debunk.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to note along with that homesteading for me at least, is not the same as a quote-unquote farming lifestyle. Um, And I I think this is, again, all going to come back to homesteading really is just whatever you personally make it with a touch of self-sufficiency somewhere along the way. But for me, farming is, okay, I am a person and my job, my livelihood relies on feeding other people. Um, whether that be with animals, crops, um, apples, something along those lines. For me, it's not about profiting from the crops that I grow. It's about self-sufficiency. And so for me, that's the difference. You and your family and we, the, you know, farming
1: and homesteading, the, the verbiage is used interchangeably a lot. And also, if you actually boil it down, they do have some different meanings. I use it interchangeably all the time, but the way you just described it is—I mean, it's pretty spot on. It's pretty perfect. There's no right or wrong answer, but that is true. If you are a farmer, that is kind of your job. Um, Homesteading can be a job, though, right? I mean, yeah. So uh, I think that the overall over you know overhead message here is. It looks different for everybody, and there's there's not a box that you put yourself in to be like okay, I I mean we're not like we're not on Indeed and signing up and and you know signing up for a job as a homesteader. It, it's going to be how, what you make it.
0: Right. Yeah. There's this sort of calling I think people are feeling as time wears on and we get into. Sort of this whole environmental anxiety that people are having about the way things look in terms of global warming and resources. And then I think too, you kind of take the other piece of food recalls that continue to happen over and over, whether that be meat or um, or vegetables, you know, spinach or something. And there are a lot of people that are feeling a little bit helpless. They want to contribute to a better environment. They want to step away from reliance on the grocery store. And then I think they recognize this need or this calling, but they don't know what to do next. And I think that's where homesteading sort of comes in. It doesn't have to be all or nothing lifestyle. Mandy and I both still get pizza. We both still go to the grocery store when we need something that we don't have or grow ourselves. It's just really sort of giving you a little bit of control in your lifestyle, in the way that you choose to live, and it it does empower you. There is a feeling of um, accomplishment, and for me at least, pride yes. because I am able to provide um, a certain amount of goods for myself without having to rely on anyone else. Um, so I think we're gonna you're gonna hear us say this over and over and over today because it is the one underlying theme that I think connects all of the different types of homesteading. And that is self-reliance and self-sufficiency. So it doesn't have to be this extreme, right? We talked about that before. You're not like putting wind turbines up and going off the grid. Sure. That can be a form of it, but really just is empowering yourself to give yourself some self-sufficiency. That is the underlying theme. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I
1: think that, and we could, we could. Talk about this all day. The idea behind being a homesteader doesn't have to be like you said an all-or-nothing lifestyle, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as a lot of folks think it is. Like right. I'm, you know, foraging for my food, sure. And honestly, if I wasn't a a, a homesteader, uh, quote unquote, or part of a homesteading community maybe I would have never learned how to forage or something like that. So it's something that you, you know, you dive into as you learn more about being more self-sufficient, but it's not a, it's not an all or all or nothing. So I think that there are many different types of homesteading, many different ways for
0: everybody to call themselves a homesteader. Agreed. And for somebody that's looking to get into this lifestyle, You might find one facet of homesteading feasible or accessible, and it might become addictive in a sense, like it does for a lot of us. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you are growing crops and raising animals and keeping bees and preserving your own food. Um, But let's try to just look at a few different facets of homesteading like Mandy was getting at. And if you're interested in this life, just start with one or just explore your options. It doesn't have to be... Jump in all the way with both feet you can you can dabble, you can sample, you can experiment with what works best for you and your um your landscape and your living situation.
1: yeah, so I think that's the idea of starting small um, figuring out what works best for you. What are your goals? Write them down um, you know when I bought this um Farm, quote unquote, homestead. It was we did nothing that we did right now. I mean, I knew I wanted to grow food. I had a tiny garden in the city, and so yes, then I had a bigger garden. Um, I had goats, but it w- it wasn't like this. It's morphed into um, over the years a business, and I've learned so much. Um, so it's it's not as it's not a situation where you one day are I want to be a homesteader. You have to find 20 something acres and completely shift your entire life. It can be very gradual. And I think it, it should be very gradual so that you can figure out what truthfully, what are your passions? What do you want to do? Um, and then it, and then it morphs into something like you said, that you might become a little bit obsessed about something. You might become a very, very good at foraging or an incredible beekeeper or something like that. I think that the, the homesteading community, the idea about behind homesteading and being more self-reliant and self-taught is like you said, so empowering because you can go from zero to learning something new and becoming very good at it. and you taught yourself how to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think sort of the gateway into homesteading for many people is gardening and it doesn't have to be a plot. I mean, there are so many ways to grow food on a windowsill, on an apartment, you know, like a high rise building balcony. Um, Maybe you do live in a neighborhood, but you've got some home association restrictions that don't allow you to have a little plot of land. There's community gardens where you can rent a plot. There's so many ways to still live in an urban environment, but get that feel for homesteading um, through gardening. So the gateway is definitely, or it was for me, I don't know about you, Mandy, but for me, like I started with edible landscaping. I had three quarters of an acre. I'd always been into like landscaping and growing flowers and that sort of thing. But when I started growing lettuce and herbs and tomatoes, first of all, it tastes so much better. But second of all, how cool is it to be like, I crave this as a snack or for dinner and to walk outside into my yard, go get that food and bring it in and prepare it. That was amazing. And so for me, it started with just a few crops, just a few plants. I did a summer garden. I wasn't looking into companion planting and pest control. I was It, it was just putting a seedling that I bought at the store in the ground or in a pot. And that's how I started. It, it was baby steps. You know, it was tasting that fresh produce and feeling the accomplishment that went with that. And building and saying, OK, that was really great. Hey, what does it take to grow? corn what does it take to grow a pumpkin and adding over time um gardening is absolutely a form of homesteading wouldn't you agree oh, yeah hands hand down
1: and i think that if you only garden and have zero animals um that you most certainly could dub yourself a homesteader um that is that's how i started. Um and then started with a few chickens, and it's evolved it's it's gotten big and then it's gotten smaller, honestly yeah. as you kind of get your um, you refine what works best for you and your family or what we did for for us. Um, and yeah, I mean, gosh, it tastes better. the gardening aspect and and you don't need a lot. You just yeah. need your seeds, quality seed some pots or a raised bed or a tiny little area in the side of your yard, in the front of your yard, wherever it is. And you start there and you start with some very basic resources, whether that be, um, you know, social media these days, Instagram, YouTube, those types of places or books. Um, I know I started with a lot of books back, back in the day. And you kind of just read from what is best, in your area and in those types of resources. And it, you, you just have to begin.
0: I think it's so cool though, because I remember when I started gardening, there were some people that took a different route to fresh produce and they went straight to preserving. So a friend had made a ton of jam. That was her thing. She wanted to go to orchards and farm stands, get peaches, apples, strawberries, what have you. And her thing was, I'm just going to put up a whole bunch of preserved fruit. And that's going to be my first step into homesteading. And she started gardening after that. So that was really cool because she was able to sort of help me with my garden preservation efforts when I was ready. And then I was there to teach her and give her some insight on what I'd learned about growing fresh produce. So I think everybody's gateway is different. Mandy mentioned animals, you know, absolutely same thing. I started with the garden and then Sean, my husband was like, Hey, what if we did fresh eggs? And I was like, chickens freak me out. And he goes, well, what if we did ducks instead? And so sure enough, we got three ducks and it was like, Hey, I'm on a roll now, you know, I've got fresh produce coming in. I've got eggs. What else can I do for myself? And then you look at making goods like soap, sourdough bread, tapping trees, um, bath and body products like Mandy makes lotion. You just, it's addictive. It's so empowering. It's addictive. It is. That's, that's the thing. You, you kind of hit the nail
1: on the head. It's, it's like, what else can I do now? Um, yeah. and it, it doesn't, Yeah. It, I don't, I don't know It that that's a perfect way to describe it because you, you go out, you learn how to garden, you learn how to raise an animal or, um, you know, preserve things. And then it's like, gosh, I, I, I taught myself that, or I'm good at this now. And and what else can I do to, you know, essentially better my life um, in a way. And that's a, it's a great example. Your friend for maybe you don't have the land to, you know, have an, an orchard, but source it from a local farmer or a market or something. And then you're still actually, feeding your family through the winter or making goods for gifts and things like mm-hmm. that. And that, that's another example of it can look all different because it's different for
0: all of us. And I think there's something to be said for culture too. If you come from or you were raised in a big hunting family, mm-hmm. you may have no interest whatsoever in putting a seed in the ground. But maybe you're amazing going out and hunting and providing meat for your family, preserving it, tanning hides, foraging. You touched on that earlier. You know the landscape. You can, you're can. you into medicinals. Again, it all just comes down to some sort of uh, pr- form of survive, surviving and self-sufficiency and providing for yourself um, in any <laughs> different capacity.
1: Yeah, so I mean we've kind of touched on it but different different types of home setting are all of what we've we've gone over, right? You could grow food, you can you can raise animals, you can do both of those, you can you can do none of those, you can just do food preservation. Uh-huh. Um, and gosh, you you could live, I mean I, we're about 15 minutes from a target, or you can live an hour and a half away from a target. Yeah. Um, it, it looks so different for, for everybody. And there's not run one right or wrong way to do it. I think it all just boils back down to ide- identifying what, what are your goals? Um, and I'll say it again, write them down. Um, because diving into, you know, the ever so popular these days, homesteading life, homesteading community can be extremely overwhelming. Um, and we see folks doing it all, but there are so many other things that you have to kind of, um, take into consideration. Where do you live? Um, what are your resources? What, you know, Gosh, dare we even talk about the financial aspect of it? Um, you know, things like that. So, those are all very important things too. I don't know if we we want
0: to touch on that just very briefly. Um, yeah, let's look at some of the logistics because I think maybe some folks listening to this podcast they are interested and already may have identified a facet of homesteading that really speaks to them or calls to them but they're not sure what the next step is. So for example, they say, I want to have a garden. What do I do now? Okay, well, it's it's actually a little bit more, unless you're doing pots on a balcony, like we mentioned before. If you're going to do something in the ground, you are literally changing the footprint of your landscape, which is a city issue. So homesteaders, seasoned homesteaders know That for every decision you make with your land, you have to be aware of what restrictions are with regard to ordinances and municipality and state laws. Before you do anything, it is so worth your time to just contact your local zoning office. Contact the city zoning office and just tell them what you're interested in doing. Because there's fencing setbacks. You can, for example, where I live, we can't have a fence built any closer than 40 feet to the edge of any property line. So you'll need to take that into account because if you're going to build a garden, chances are you're at some point going to want to think about fencing it in from deer and other predators if those are in your area. So get familiar with what the restrictions and regulations are for your piece of land or where you're trying to do this. Um, The other thing is some cities and states have tax exemptions and um, credits and that sort of thing. They actually want you to partake in these activities. So they're going to give you a little bit of financial help or financial leeway in order to do that. Um, When it comes to beekeeping, the placement of hives is absolutely regulated in city areas because bee traffic, those bees coming in and out of the hives, They cannot intersect with where people walk on public walkways. Um, And they also, for many cities, have to be set back so many feet, just like a fence from a boundary line. These are all things that you need to know before just saying, I'm going to keep bees. This is where I'm going to put my hive, ready, set, go. You really don't want to do that. The worst thing in the world, speaking from experience, is to get everything set up, only to get that letter in the mailbox from the city zoning officer saying, hey, we've had some complaints. This has to go, so just do yourself a favor. Do the research up front.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is all before you even, you know, source your land, or I guess potentially you've you've sourced your land, but long before you, you know, build a greenhouse or build a barn. um, Those all also, I mean, we we don't live in city limits. We live in the country, rurally, but there are still those ordinances when we when we built our barn. It has to be I can't remember hundred feet away from your property line so you cannot build it you know all all those things definitely are taken into consideration and and certainly should be taken into consideration if you are just starting out sourcing land you can kind of look at a look at a blueprint and see where, uh, where's my property line? Where, where's the home? Where would it make sense to, um, eventually raise a barn there or something like that in, re- in relation to proximity to your home, but you have to take into consideration, um, your neighbors, quote unquote, even if you can't see your neighbors, right. Even if they're a hundred, a hundred acres away and you ne- never see them, there are still guidelines there. Um, and, and this is the stuff that people don't, people don't actually talk about but this is the stuff that keeps you up at night when you're when you're starting out or trying to figure out
0: what to do yes and you know when you are or when or if you are sourcing land and you're working with a realtor don't just say yeah we want to live in the country eventually we'd like to have a couple of animals have them find properties for you that are conducive to that clue them in on your goals um Let them help you find places where that type of activity, farming activity, is permissible. It doesn't do you any good to fall in love with a property that's not going to allow you to do that if you are too close to other homes, if the city um, uh, regulations don't allow it. So have somebody help you if you're working with a realtor. um, Find out what some of those regulations are on those properties so they are showing you appropriate options. The other thing to keep in mind is when it comes to acres, you might look at a 20 acre property, but is it actually farmable land? Is it all stone and cliffs and rock? Because uh, my sister-in-law has a property like that. They have something crazy like 135 acres, which I would kill for. However, a lot of it is old stone and caves. You can't do anything with that land in terms of farming. Um, does it have water access? If there's no stream or pond and you're going to keep livestock, how are you going to get water from point A to point B? Can it be fenced? If there's a river running in front of the property next to the road, like there is at my house, I can't fence there. I can't put a fence in the water. Physically, it would be a challenge, but the city also says no. So those are things you need to think about. Um, know your soil type that you're looking into. Is it all clay? Because if it's all clay, having an in-ground garden is going to be very difficult. You're going to need to look at doing raised beds. Um, Is it a sunny location or is it heavily wooded and covered with trees and a lot of shade? These are all things that if you have the luxury to identify them and know about them and take them into consideration before purchasing the property, that's huge. Rather than already being in a place and saying, I'm going to do this here. Now I have to retrofit it and make it work. These are all things you really want to keep in mind. All things that, um,
1: gosh, I, I'm not sure that I can remember knowing a lot of these things before we started. Um, I think that's another thing. It's, it's, uh reaching out and and finding these types of resources whether you're listening to this podcast or you have some a neighbor or a friend um books uh we're happy to share you know books and and things like that too but um I, I, most people don't know hey, I, I want to move to this land and should I check a soil sample? How do I even do that, right? It's just not something that crosses your mind unless, you, unless you're unless you looking ahead in, into what your goals are. So again, right, write them down.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Water and I do want to touch on this because it was an issue for us before we move on to sort of how to how to start and where to find resources and information. Um, With regard to waterways, it's not just important to think about bringing water in and outbuildings and how many outbuildings could you potentially have on a property, whether that be a shed or a barn. The other thing you really need to think about is when you have animals. There's output. You're going to have manure and it has to have a place to go. Uh, Sanitation is huge. And if you live in an environmentally protected area, like I do in central New Jersey, water runoff is a huge consideration. So we don't really think about water in terms of what happens when it rains. Where does that water go? I mean, that sure does come into play when it comes to garden placement, right? You don't want to have a swampy garden, all this water pooling, but you also don't want to have a bunch of rainfall hit your compost or your manure heap and completely drench your entire property with that fecal matter. So that's something else. Really the best thing you can do, like Mandy said, is write down your goal when it comes to homesteading. And if you have a piece of land that you love, just don't do anything right away and just observe. There needs to be an observation period because you have to familiarize yourself with the actual plane and the topography of your landscape. It's, it's going to surprise you. I was very surprised. Um, we think that we have this vision when we see our land of how we're going to lay everything out if we decide that we're going to source acres. Um, get a good rainstorm. Watch that water build up. Get some snow, if that's in your geography, and see how that those drifts are going to fall and change the way that you would walk to and from a barn. Homesteading is homesteading's a journey. It takes time. There's no rush to get up a bunch of fencing and, and outbuildings and get animals in there. Do yourself a favor and just watch and observe before taking steps so you can do it the right way the first time and be done. I think that would be my biggest piece of advice.
1: And there's beauty in that too. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at our greenhouse, which we've only had for this will only be our second season. Uh, where the greenhouse is sitting used to be where the old garden was, um, and I moved it just for for more space. Uh, but I knew because I was able to grow food there that it was a decent space for a greenhouse. So, like you said, I mean, honestly if you're not in a rush and you have the ability to, which we all do have the ability to slow down a little bit. Um, I think that that's a circling back to all the way in the beginning. That's another reason why we, why we love this lifestyle. It's just, it's just, you're able to, and it seems a little backwards, right? Slow down. Um, while you're doing all of these things, uh, it is still very much uh, an appreciative lifestyle, but go through seasons even um, mm. and look at, uh you know, daylight savings time. So, I mean, you're looking at a whole year to see where the sun sets here. How many hours of sun do I get in this space? uh What is the rainfall like this year compared to next year? So it is, it is because we are so reliant on a lot of things that are out of our control. Uh, If you're able to take the time and observe it's in the long run, 10 years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to, you're going to thank yourself.
0: Yeah. I think that that's good advice. Good words of wisdom. So we, 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 sort of beat it to death here, know your goals. And I think one of the questions Mandy and I both tend to get from people interested in homesteading is, well, how do I start? What's my first step? What do I do? You have to know what you want to do. Um, It's too high of an expectation to say, I want to garden and have chickens and horses and ducks and geese and tap trees. That's a lot of equipment to buy all up front. That's a lot of skills to learn and let's just pick one. So let's just start with a focus. If you decide you're going to garden, evaluate your environment, whether that be containers, trellises and growing up, or if you have the space to grow out on your own property or community garden. And then start simple. What do you need? Well, it'd be smart to get one of the cheap little soil tests on Amazon, where you know your basic ingredients and just see what kind of soil you're working with. From there, you can start reading about how to improve nutrients if you need to. And then from there, once your soil is healthy and balanced, grab some seeds, get a trowel or a shovel, find a way to water those seeds. And it's literally just putting one step in front of the other. Homesteading is not a lifestyle where we have it ready at the snap of our fingers. And I think in our society, we are a society of instant gratification. This is the opposite of that. This is the slow accumulation of knowledge through time and effort. That's the only way to do it. And I think walk away with that feeling of accomplishment and and self-satisfaction. Would you agree? Oh, uh,
1: yeah hands down absolutely i think that it's the i mean that's a perfect explanation of just slow living and circling back to kind of everything that we have talked about but your your comment right there on just how we as a society and uh it's the, you know it's increasingly getting quote-unquote worse if you will of i want it and i want it now and that's awesome i There are certain things that I want right now, too. Um, But taking those steps to do it right when it comes to what we're talking about is going to prove to yourself that all of the the time and effort that you put into it is, is worth it.
0: And I think one thing that people get frustrated about is they want to know it all right now. And I'm the same way. Um, one shortcut to knowing it all quickly is to find somebody who already does, a mentor. So if, you have, if you're have, you into horses and you can volunteer at a barn to gain experience and pick the brain of the barn owner or um, somebody who has worked there for a long time, a friend. If you're into gardening, if you can grab a mentor. And and if they're welcoming and if they want to help you, use that as a resource. I heavily rely on books and on YouTube, friends in the Instagram homesteading community, but there really is something to be said for in-person help to your specific climate and situation locally right because that's really what we're trying to do is build a local self-reliant system so if you can find a mentor that is huge it's going to help with so many things from garden pests to bees weather um but let's see what else what else could we tell people where else could they go to get information well i think it it's
1: i don't know we can edit that but um like you said, finding a mentor, uh, I your county extension is actually probably a really great uh resource. And what I mean by that is, is um like uh your your it, it's through your state. Um and each county will have it's almost kind of if you think about four H or you do things like that, there's always little uh it, it literally will be called your county extension. There are masters um, or folks that work there that can help you with With your weather changes and and everything, your soil, they can give you resources where to send things. They're going to be an an incredible resource for you. And it's perfect because it's individual to each of us, right? So, I mean, Angela could ask me a question on how I do something in Missouri, and that's great. I can tell her, but she might get completely different results because of her climate and her everything in, in her region of the United States. So finding somebody local, I think, is key. There are, there are definitely books that are very, very helpful. Like you mentioned, also the Instagram homesteading community is, I think, just growing and an incredible resource of great folks who actually truthfully want to help and share the same mindset as you. Um, so those, those would be my suggestions.
0: And I think two classes, um, usually Mandy mentioned the extension offices. They will be aware of classes through universities or, um, you know, like 4-H groups. Um, there's all sorts of agricultural groups, clubs, beekeeping associations available in any given community. Um, Facebook groups, they will put meetups or something similar, um, on their pages. So you can find, you can even find online classes. I teach online classes if you want to sort of have like a foot in the door. Um, but there's, there's so many outlets for education. If you're not the type of person that really absorbs information from a book, if you're looking for more, a bit of a, like a visual learning or hands-on learning, um, I would recommend classes. They do exist. They are out there, and they are helpful. Um, I think once your goals are nailed down, starting small, um, researching and learning, getting a friend or a mentor who can help you along is an essential part of getting into the homesteading lifestyle. Um, maybe this is a good time to just real quick before we close touch on. How we got into homesteading? Sure. Like what that looked like? Sure. Um, I have
1: always just felt like this is where I belong. Um, And no, I did not grow up in a farming community. No, my parents did not farm. My grandpa did not farm. I knew nothing about it. I graduated high school with 800 people and I did not know who sat next to me at graduation. So you can come from. A background like mine, and still be here. Um, I, I gosh, I, I wish I, I wish I made it here sooner. Absolutely, um, but it has always been uh, in my bones to want to learn and grow and do things for myself. And it is definitely, if we're honest, a pride thing. But it is, it is just a way of life that makes me want to get up in the morning and makes me feel good about what i'm doing how i'm contributing to not just my life my family's life but society as a whole and um it is so beneficial it is so rewarding and it just gets better
0: honestly and now i mean do you want to just give folks a sense of that's where you started but look how far you've come you know what how, what's your what's your head count on your animal situation <laughs> what's your garden like yeah so
1: came from nothing no background um it's been about 6 years since we've been at this property and uh we grow enough food to give away plus some preserve and have enough to experiment and do all of that the garden has expanded yearly we now have a decent sized herd of dairy goats um, like you said earlier, we make lotion and have developed a business from this lifestyle. Um, but it took it took people ask, how long uh did it take for you to feel comfortable or gosh, chores take me four hours. Um how, how long did it take? And if we're honest, it took about three or four years before it made me feel like, Hey, I, got, I have this down. Um, and things changed all the time during those years. So giving yourself a ton of grace, uh, to get to where you want to be. And I'll say it again, where you want to be, not where you see somebody else or, um, you, you see somebody on, social media being it is definitely individual and I think attainable for all of us if you want it.
0: Totally. You know, Mandy, it is totally attainable. She's self-taught. I'm self-taught. And we both just went after it because we wanted it. Um so kind of a similar approach to getting into homesteading was my experience, but a little different. Um I was into ornamental gardening, but I went through postpartum depression and I had a graphic and website design business. And basically I just got really sick of trying to balance being a brand new mom and the rat race. And I didn't want to do the rat race anymore. And it felt very superficial to me. And I wanted something deeper and I wanted connection with the, with the land and something that I could bring my new son, son along with me. So I taught myself, how to grow my own food. I replaced um, ornamental landscaping with edible landscaping. I put in a garden. Like I said, we got ducks. I learned how to preserve a few things and make bread. And it was just a growing lifestyle where now I'm on a different property. We have six acres. I wanted to learn to plow with horses. So I taught myself. Um, we have a garden, we tap trees, we have an orchard. I do beekeeping. We grow as much of our own produce as we can. Um, I donate to the local food pantry. And it makes me so happy and gives me purpose to do those things. Mm-hmm. I this This lifestyle was never on my radar when I was younger. Mandy always says it's in her bones. She knew. She always had an idea. It took me a lot longer to figure out that this is where I was supposed to be. But I love it. I love it so much that now... I want to be on this podcast sharing that passion with you all. So I think it absolutely is attainable. And Mandy hit it on the head. Do not go on social media and compare yourself and your homesteading journey to somebody else's because it's different for everyone. And it goes at a different pace for everyone. And it's so important to embrace your journey and keep everybody else's out of your peripheral vision. Just focus on you and your homesteading story. And so I think that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is because there is a lot of intimidation into getting into this lifestyle, but there doesn't have to be. It really is a beautiful thing. It really is accessible and inviting. And we want to help people like you get into it. Mandy and I have both done it and not to toot our own horns, but I think we've done a pretty good job and we like to share this information. We want to help you. So If you want more information, we hope you'll stick around. We are going to get into the nitty gritty details of all facets of homesteading, whether it be gardening, preserving, animals, all the good stuff. And we hope that you will follow along on this podcast journey of ours. You can find both of us on Instagram as well. I'm Angela. I'm at Axe and Root Homestead. And Mandy is at wild oak farms
1: and we very much appreciate this like Angela said uh we hope that this is going to be an incredible inviting fun resource for you a real resource um, of everything that we have learned and we cannot wait to share it with you
0: all thank you so much Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at com and on Instagram at Axe and Root Homestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.